Good morning. Welcome to Good News Bible Church. It's great to have you here. And uh, as we gather to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I uh, want to just make you aware today that you're going to see some different people up here. Uh, this is our annual youth service, and it's an opportunity for us uh, to hear our youth. And so, as those of you who are familiar, our youth, about three of them typically, will preach a sermon, not full 40 minutes, but anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes. Uh, our youth involved in the, the music, and just the, it's, it's their program, it's their production. And so I just want to, to welcome you here and give the mic over to Kayla. Hello again, welcome to Good News Bible Church. I'm Kayla Runquist. I am a sophomore in high school. You take a moment now to greet each other in this fine winter morning. You can say. if you would all please find a seat again. That's enough greeting. We know you love each other. <laughs> Father God, we come before you today. I pray that uh, your words would be spoken out of the mouths of each person who comes up here, uh, that you would touch the lives of those who are in this, and that you would refresh our hearts and uh, give us something to ponder from your word. I pray that your name would be glorified and that we would all... Um, just give our lives over to you and give our hearts and our mouths and our words. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jesus, I don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I want to trust you, but I don't. All right, uh, I have an exercise that I think will help. All right, now stand here okay. and face that direction. All right. Uh, now, do you trust me? No, I just said I don't. Uh, all right, I know. It's all part of the exercise. Every time I ask, do you trust me? You say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Okay. Even though I don't. All right, it's, it's practice. Now, okay. do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. All right, now fall back. Are you going to catch me? Well, don't worry about that. Well, that's the part that I'm worried about. All right, look, you can do this, just fall back. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. <sighs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, Jesus, I did it. Well, all right. Now this time, face this direction and okay. keep your feet planted. All right. Now, do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now fall back. All right, I'm going to do it. All right. Okay, I'm just going to let me be. Okay, I can do this. Yeah, you can do this. Yeah, you can do this. All right. Okay, all right. I'm going to do it. 
Jesus. I fell back and you caught me and I didn't think you were, but you did. And ah! Well, yeah, that was, that was great. Yeah, that was great. All right, now you're ready for level two. Yeah, level two, let's do this. Well, 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 okay, hold You're too on. close, Jesus, step back. All right, level two's a little different. Now, oh. this time you face me. Oh, forward fall, and, well, I can do that. Well, okay. All right, just, just wait for the signal. The Jesus signal. Right, the Jesus okay, signal. I'm ready. Now, do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you so, so much. All right, now fall back. Fall back? You mean, you're... <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome, especially when you do it. Seriously? Of course. I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but no one's back there. I know it looks that way. It looks that but... way. It is that way. All right, look, you can do this, Madison. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I don't think I can do that. We can do it together. I can't. You you can. Just I won't. Will you please stand with us in worship? Light of the world forever. 
rest upon me. Staying desperate for you, God. Staying humbled at your feet. I will lift these hands in faith. I will believe. I remind myself of all that you've done. And the life I have because of your son. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. I am yours. I am yours. All my days. To Good News Bible Church. My name is Justin, and I'll be re- doing, reading the script, scripture reading for today. The scripture reading comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. Please open your Bibles with me as I read from Hebrews chapter 11, ch- verses 23 through 29. The passage will also be on the screen behind me and on the matters in front of you. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they, when they, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now flip now if you can flip to chapter 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by so so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Thank you. Welcome to Good News Bible Church. My name is Oscar Guzman. I'm 15 years old and I'm a freshman at Rhonda College Prep. I've been attending Good News for about four years now. And well, first of all, because I'm a freshman, please don't throw pennies at me, Nathan. Um, the theme of this year's youth service is uh, trusting God. Today, I'll be discussing the trust in God through the story of Moses. I'll be focusing on three, three important things. The first thing is the choice that Moses' parents made to trust in God. The, choice, the second one is the choice that Moses himself made to trust in God. And the third one is the choice that, we, that each of us have to make as individuals. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us be here today. Lord, I just pray that you can let, you can let us all be here. Uh, thank you for letting us come here and worship you. I just pray that all of us can understand the message that you are trying to get through me and uh, show it in our lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'll begin by talking to you about... Um, the choice that Moses' parents made. Uh, would you please follow along as I read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23? It states, uh, uh, it states, by faith, Moses' parents hid him three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, in this passage, we see that Moses' parents uh, had a choice. And the choice they chose was to trust in God. Now, um, see, they protected their baby, Moses, uh, uh, for three months, right? And after those three months were done, they, uh, they went to the Nile, they put him in a basket, and they put him on the Nile. Now, has anyone ever been to Six Flags? Um, has anyone been to the water park in Six Flags? Uh, has anyone been on that ride that they have in Six Flags called the Lazy River? Well, once when I, I went on it, uh, it was relaxing. And uh, it was so relaxing, I actually fell asleep. I actually woke up as soon as, uh, as, soon as the lifeguard poked me and said, Wake up, you! And so, like, anyway, anyway. Um, the Nile River is nothing like the Lazy River at all. The Nile... It was a very, very powerful river. It was filled with creatures such as crocodiles. And for Moses' parents to have so much faith in God to put Moses in a basket and put him in the river, that had to show a lot of faith. So um, the second thing I wish to discuss with you guys about is the choice that Moses himself made to trust in God. Um, well, 
to this part, we see that the Pharaoh's daughter is, um, she saw baby Moses on the river, got him from the river, and she didn't know how to raise a Hebrew baby. So what she did was she sent her slaves to get a lady, a Hebrew lady. Um, but she didn't know, that slave didn't know that that lady was Moses' mom. Now, I don't know about your mothers, guys, but my mom would be happy to raise me and get paid for it. <laughs> um, and so we see in verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a short time. This shows that Moses refused to be in the Pharaoh's court and really wanted to trust in God. Now, when Moses fled from Egypt, and Moses fled from Egypt because he actually killed one of the, one of the Egyptian, um, uh, Egyptian, let's just say he, he did bad things to Hebrews. Uh, so um, he killed one of them and he felt so bad so he fled Egypt. And while he, um, while he was out of Egypt, God spoke to him in the form of a burning bush. And so, like, in the burning bush, God told him that he had to return to Egypt. And when he returned to Egypt, uh, see, Moses, he didn't want to return to Egypt. He was too scared. So he started making all these excuses to God. And, well, in the end, Moses realized... He had to trust in God because uh, God was protected. So as soon as Moses returned to Egypt, the Pharaoh's heart hardened, and God sent the ten plagues to show his power, to show that Moses could trust him, mainly to show his power. <laughs> um, in the end, God fulfilled his promise and helped, helped them cross the Red Sea. Like, um, he, helped them, he helped Moses free his people and go on a journey. During that journey, stumbled upon the Red Sea, and Moses and his people showed so much faith that God split the Red Sea and they walked on dry land. Okay, one final thing I wish to discuss with you guys is the choice that we as individuals have to make. Now we talked about, even though it was a short time, uh, we talked about the trust that Moses' parents had in God to protect their baby. We've seen the trust that Moses himself made to trust in God and protect the Israelites and himself through the dangers. That, right shows that that's our God. He was there, here, he will always be. He never changes and he never will. And he won't need to because he's perfect. Uh, now we read on in the next chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it states, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with the perseverance the race marked out for us. I'll leave you with this. Are we going to trust in God, in the God of Moses, who shows himself today? Or are we going to trust in ourselves? Here, I'll give you an example. So, let's say you're running a marathon. Are you going to trust in yourself 
to run the whole thing, get tired, and just quit? Or are you going to trust in God? Trust God to help you run the whole thing, give you more energy, enough energy you need to cross the finish line. Are you going to carry that burden yourself or trust in God to take it from you? Are you going to be scared your, your whole life or you, and just live with that fear? Or are you just going to give it all to God so he can take it away from you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us be here today. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And I just pray that through these up-and-coming uh, hour and a half, uh, give or take, uh, that we can, we can praise you, Lord. And I just pray that after this is over, everyone in this church uh, sees your message and uh, feels something in their heart to follow, to follow that and show it in their lives. Thank you, Lord. I praise all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us and worship again. And if our God is for us, 
then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Like never before, 
stand again with me as I read scripture. Um, I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 11, 16 to 21. Um, it's going to be, I think it should be behind me um, as I'm reading. Uh, here we go. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts you on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we are too weak for that. Thank you. 
Hello. My name is Christian Santiago. I'm a junior at Lincoln Park High School. I love baseball, and I've been attending Good News Bible Church my whole life. Uh, before, before I begin this sermon, I'd like to pray. Thank you, God, for another day of this life. I pray that this sermon may apply to the hearts of many, and that I might do it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Trust in yourself is not a way to live, but to trust in God, it's the only way to thrive. You see, our culture, it's one longing for a major sense of power, independence, and materialism. How many times have you seen someone who lived the American idea, who came from nothing, had passion, had a craft, and found ways, found, a, found success? Um, you know, we just love those stories to hear about the American dream, the racks to riches story. Very recently, I saw a documentary on ESPN. It was about athletes who followed this, uh, followed this pursuit. Um, the, the documentary was called Broke, and what it was about is how, although they accomplished everything that they thought they wanted, you saw it kind of meant nothing, and in the end, they kind of lost everything. One statistic that jumped out at me was uh, 60% of all NBA players were broke after five years of retirement, and just about the same with NFL players. You see, just as many times as you see the rags to riches story, you see people fall from grace just as frequently, but it's just not acknowledged as much. You see, trust in yourself, it's not a way to live, but to trust in God, it's the only way to thrive. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now, if you're a new Christian, it wouldn't make sense to have some intimate, personal relationship with a relationship that just got started. You don't, trust has never done this way. You don't meet someone, hey, how are you doing? And you want to hear my life story? It's just, it's not done that way. See, trust, it's the reward of commitment. You can't trust someone until you shared experiences with them that reveal their character. But you have to start trusting in God in order to really thrive in your trust, in order for your trust to grow. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways submit to Him. To paraphrase, what the verse is requesting is that in every action you engage in, do it wholeheartedly for the glory of God. Verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Now tell me, have you ever seen someone on TV boast about how great they are in their craft and little do they know that their craft will pass them up? The greatest athlete would not last longer than his sport. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player ever to live. He gave everything he had to the game and yet... Slowly but surely, the only thing that's going to fade away is his legacy in the game. But God, his significance will never fade away. God will thrive regardless of anything. God is infinitely more reliable than we are. God's infinitely more comprehensible than we are. Regardless of any situation we're involved in, he has a plan for us. And he's had a plan for us before time began. To trust in God is way better than to trust ourselves. As Christians, we always, we always assume that life will be easier just because we become Christians that, you know, our relationship would be so much better, things would be more efficient, but that's not always true. Sometimes things will get rougher. Um, my favorite example of a Christian who life didn't seemingly get easier for him, and yet he still thrived in his relationship, he still became more of a Christian, is the story of Paul. See, Paul wasn't a story of comfort, but it's a story that every time I hear different aspects of his life, it moves me despite how many times I've heard it. Paul was a Jew raised in Turkey, who learned to be a rabbi and a tent maker. At the time, to be a rabbi is like the equivalent of today's actors, today's athletes. He was at the top. 
And uh, he, he saw a movement that was growing and that he despised. Christianity was thriving at this time. So Paul, he despised Christianity, so he persecuted Christians. Well, on his way to Damascus, he, uh, he had a vision from God, and it changed him entirely, and he became a Christian. Now, once he became a Christian, it wasn't some easy life. He didn't make better investments. He wasn't, you know, his life wasn't easy. He wasn't living the American ideal, making six figures, reading a Bible story to his kids over a nice warm dinner, checking his E-Trade portfolio on a new app. No. Paul was on the front lines, and Paul was being persecuted wherever he went, and he disregarded the pain as being insignificant because he trusted God. He trusted God that in the fact that he's sacrificing his life, he's learning to attain true life. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-five to 28 Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and have toiled, often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul had immediate trust in God, but his face, but he still had to persevere, and his faith was never shaken, but it grew, because what would happen? You know, as Christians, we could be so naive. We could just think of what we want from God, what God can give us. And um, little do we know that sometimes the greatest joy we can attain is what we actually sacrifice for God, not what God gives us. You know, me, I took a chorus class because I wanted to be a good singer, you know. I've been, been watching Justin Bieber and, you know, kind of wanted that. And, um... I, um, I've been taking a chorus class for about a year now, about 50 minutes every day for my fifth period class, and I have to say, I am far from being a good singer, really far. So uh, I looked up what it would take to be a good singer, and so I, um, I checked out something on, online. I got carried away, and I looked up what it would take to be a world-class singer, and I stumbled upon something called a 10,000-hour rule. And what it was is it says that by the time... Any world-class musician, athlete, by the time they're in their mid-20s, they've dedicated 10,000 hours to their profession. So for 10 years, they would have practiced three hours every day to excel. Now, Christianity, it's not a craft. It's not a sport. It's our life. What are you willing to dedicate for it? Do you trust in God that what you sacrifice will be worth, what you will receive? You know, in high school, I see a lot of relationships come and go, and I've noticed that there's always a common theme that the trust that they give you, that the two people are engaged in the relationship that they give each other, it's never, it never had a strong foundation from the beginning, and that people are just willing to receive any, from, anything from each other, but they're never willing to sacrifice anything for each other. And now I by no means wish to pursue high school dating, but it leads me to question my most valid relationship, and that being the relationship with my Father in heaven. See, I want to receive everything, but sometimes I'm not willing to sacrifice. So I hope in some regards I can live like Paul and give my life, give my all to God. You see, Paul, he didn't give 10,000 hours to God in promise of success, wealth, and fame. Paul gave every passing moment to glorify God, and he died because of this. But he trusted God that in doing so that God will give him something better. He lost his life in order to attain a true life. But it started with trust. So do you trust God with your life? Trust initiates your relationship with God. And your relationship will ultimately end with, uh, with trust. But through commitment to God, 
your relationship will truly not just live, but it would, it would thrive. But you need trust first. So maybe we won't be like Paul and be a martyr, but will we give everything to the pursuit of Christ in order to thrive? Uh, I'd want to end this sermon in a prayer. Thank you, God, for this day. I pray that this sermon would have applied to many people and I might have done this in, in your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. At this time, God's kids are dismissed. God's kids dismissed. As the kids are leaving, I want to update you on a couple of our church family members. Uh, we announced last week that Giovanni Roman had open-heart surgery. I was uh, by the hospital on Friday and uh, spent some time with Gio, and he looks good. Uh, he seems to be doing well, uh, and we just know that this is going to take some time. So continue praying for, for Gio that he might gain the strength that he needs. And um, where's Alba? Is he out of ICU? Is he in a regular room now? He is in a regular room. Okay, good. So he's, that's some progression there. So remember Gio in your prayers. And then also, uh, Maribel Toro uh, continues to do uh, well. She's doing much better than she was. Uh, she had fainted uh, and fallen and hurt her, herself. And uh, they've done some tests and going to, to do some additional tests, I think, just a second opinion. But uh, they think this is a heart. So continue to pray for Maribel and for Ben and for the family there as they deal with those issues. At this time, if we could have the guys come forward to receive offering, I'd like to pray for the offering as well as for, for these, these needs. Edwin? No? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we, we come to you just acknowledging, God, that you are the giver of all that we have. We ask, Father, that you would receive our offering, Lord, that we would give it with joy and thanksgiving, Father, for all that we have in Christ. We pray, Father, that you would just use it, Lord, for the ministry here. Our Father, we think also of Geo, and thank you, Father, for him and for his life. And we pray, Father, that in the midst of this recovery time, Lord, that he would just continue to gain strength, Father, that you bring healing, Lord, to his body. And, Father, that he might soon be able to be up and about and doing things that he wants to do. Father, we thank also of Mirabel Toro and pray for her, Lord, that you would give doctors wisdom and discernment as they go in for second opinion on the situation that she has. And, Father, we ask, God, that you would just lead and guide Ben and Mirabel as they look at the different options and just guide them and direct them. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please stand again for worship. Eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are, and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how He loves us so! And oh, how He loves us! How He loves us so! By the grace in his eyes, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. When heaven meets earth, like the word became flesh, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way. He loves us, oh how He loves us, oh how He loves us, oh how He loves us, 
loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves. Oh, how He loves us so. And oh, how He loves us. How He loves us so. sit down. <laughs> Please stand as we read scripture. Should be on the screen behind me. Uh, the scripture reading for this next sermon is from Joshua 3 verses 1 through 6. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about two thousand cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went on before the people. Thank you. You may be seated now. Good morning. My name is Ian Runquist. I am a senior at Lane Tech High School. I play football. Yeah, woo, Lane Tech. I play football as well as uh, wrestle. Uh, my father is Keith Runquist. He's the guy with the big beard. And my mom is Debbie Runquist, the lady you can always hear uh, going crazy with the kids during the sermon. So I'm going to be speaking on um, why we can trust God, how we know we can trust God. And so if you'll bow with me in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that I can be here today and that I can speak before this congregation, and I pray that your words will come out of my mouth, and I pray that you will give me strength and let your will be done in all things, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to start uh, with a little confession because confessions are good for the soul. Um, I've recently, very recently, actually put my trust in something that... Uh, didn't pull through. Yesterday, uh, I was at a wrestling tournament at Maine East High School, and uh, I was got in my van. I was like, okay, got to get my directions, and so iPhone. Thank you, Apple. So I take, take it, open it up, go to the map app, type in Maine East High School. Okay, there's my directions. Off I go. I'm about five minutes away from the school. I look at the direction and realize that it sent me to Maine South High School. And so, uh, Apple failed me. I put my trust in something, and it let me down. Now, there are times in our lives when we put trust, when we put our trust in things like money and fame, um, families, relationships, and very often 
they let us down. You know, but there is someone here with us today that we can put our trust in, and he will never let us down, and that is our Heavenly Father, that is God. But how do we know we can trust him? If you'll turn with me to Joshua 3. So just to set things up a little bit, Joshua, the book of Joshua is set right after uh, the death of Moses. The people are on the verge of entering God's promised land. They have wandered around through the wilderness. You know, they've, these Israelites, they've been through up, lots of ups and downs, 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And then they go, you know, Moses comes, they rescue them, and then they're like, yes, we're out of here. And then they meet the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army's bearing down upon them, and God, cro- uh, you know, parts the waters, they cross over, you know, and the first time they come to the edge of the promised land, and they're about to go in, they send 12 spies into the land, and all of them come back and be like, yeah, the land's pretty great, but 10 of them say, but there's no way we can take it. There's guys who are, you know, giants and huge you know, cities, there's no way we can do it. There were only two people who trusted in God. Two people in an entire nation. That was Joshua and Caleb. Because of the people's uh, disobedience, because they did not trust in God, they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, each and every one of the adults that had, you know, been in that generation who had escaped from Egypt, each and every one of them died. And so now, 40 years later, they're on the edge of the the Jordan River. They're about to go in, and they're like, yes, we have this. And then suddenly, Moses dies. So now they don't know what to do. They're leaderless. They're on the edge of a foreign land. They're about to go in. But we see God use his power, and God raises up a leader. And because they put their faith in him, he does great things with them. Now, I want you to think back a little bit. What would have happened if the Israelites had never been enslaved in Egypt? If, you know, Joseph goes down to Egypt, brings all of his, you know, his family, and they're all in Egypt, and, you know, the pharaohs never put them to work. Pharaohs just let them live in Goshen, and they prosper, and they're happy. There would have been no need for God. They would, the Israelites would not have needed God because, you know, there's no problem. We see God in his time. He works the best when we think everything is the worst. When the Israelites were in Egypt and Moses showed up, the Pharaoh made them work harder because of Moses. And because of that, the um, exodus is so much greater. Whenever things look bad, like they cannot get any better, when they're at their lowest point, this is when you see the miracles of God the most. Now, as they had uh, been nearing the land of uh, the promised land, God commissioned Joshua, and he gave him a promise. This is in Deuteronomy 31 to 20, or 31, 23. Then he, that is the Lord, commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So at this point, Moses is still alive, and God says, Look, Joshua, I'm with you. Be strong. I will get you through this. And in the, after the death of Moses, in the first book of Joshua, or in the, yeah, in the first chapter of Joshua, God commands Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. He says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, for he is with him. In verse 9, he repeats almost exactly what is said in Deuteronomy, that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
in ex- back in Exodus, I know I'm going back and forth, so try to stay up. Back in Exodus, we see God promise Moses that he will deliver the people of Israel into a land flowing with milk and honey. Exodus 6, verse 8. I will bring you, the Israelites, into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So in, we see in uh, Deuteronomy and in Joshua, God, God repeated, keeps repeating the promise that he made, that I will be with you and I will bring you into the land that I promised to you. Now often when we look at the crossing of the Jordan, we can see it bears a pretty striking resemblance to the crossing of the Red Sea. You know, there's a big body of water and God steps in, parts the water, and they cross on dry land. This isn't an, an accident. It's not like the Israelites are marching around and they show up at the Jordan River and God's like, oh, I forgot about the Jordan River. Well, I'll just pull out the old, you know, parting the waters trick. It worked back in the Red Sea. God does this on purpose so that the people of Israel can see that God is with Joshua just as he is, as he was with Moses. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, we read, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God has been faithful in the past, and he, just like he will be faithful in the future. We can also see in this passage the power of God. We know that in Joshua chapter 2, Rahab, who was uh, a not very nice person, well, she had faith in God, but she did some not very nice things on occasion. She was a person in uh, Jericho, and Joshua sent in some spies, and she hid them. And uh, at she, you know, the people were like, hey, where are those spies that you were hiding? And she's like, I don't know, they left. And they didn't, and she hid them and protected them. And so they're talking to uh, Rahab, and she says that the people in the land were terrified of the Israelites because they had heard of God parting the Red Sea 40 years before. Now, could you imagine if, uh, you know, you're in the NFL and you ref- the Chicago Bears are on your schedule and you're like, no, we cannot play the Chicago Bears. Did you hear what they did 40 years ago? You know, in you know, 1985, if we're 12 years in the future, in 1985, the Bears won the Super Bowl. You know, they only lost one game. There's no way we can play them. 40 years. And the people of the land still, you know, hear the stories about what God did. And they're still, you know, they quake in fear of him. I know it's a poor illustration considering, you know, the Bears, lack, the Bears lackluster performance as of late. But you can see the power of God working here. He made the people of the land fear the Israelites before they even got there. Now imagine you're in the land, and then you hear the Israelites are at your doorstep. I would be afraid too. We see the power of God. And he, he lets the Israelites know that he will not just leave it at getting them into the land, but he will drive all of the other nations out. If you'll quickly turn with me to Joshua three ten to 13 Joshua chapter 3. Verse 10 to 13. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, 
ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters will be parted, will be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. We see right there, God says, I'm going to part the waters, and I'm going to drive out all of the nations before you. Now, 13 years ago, my family and I, we went on vacation, and uh, we went to the state of Washington, and we took a trip to Mount St. Helens. You know, for those of you who don't know, Mount St. Helens was a volcano, and it blew up pretty dramatically. I believe it was back in the 80s, or before then, it was a long time ago. So... <laughs> My mom decided that it would be a good idea to let me run around and climb on all the, the logs and the wood decks and, you know, with bare feet. And uh, as a result, I got a splinter that was about that big. It felt like it was about that big, but, you know, was, let's be realistic here. So, you know, we're, after I get the splinter in my foot, we're like, okay, we're just going to go. You know, we're going to go home. And so we get in the, our big old van and we're driving. And while I'm in the van, it's like inflaming and it's really painful and I, I keep saying I can't stand it I can't stand it so my dad's like okay then let's do something about that he pulls the van over to the side of the road hands me a bandana he says cover your eyes you're gonna have to trust me this will hurt but it will be better when we are done so puts the bandana around my eyes takes out a knife and cuts the splinter out of my foot now yes it was painful but it, he removed it, and after he removed it, it was a thousand times better. He, he kept saying to me, trust me, I know what I'm doing, I can do this. And thankfully, I still have a foot, as you can see. <laughs> this time, I placed my faith in something that was reliable. You know, I had seen my dad, you know, work before. I knew he kind of knew his way around tools. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Now, if he had said, I've got a buzzsaw in the back, I, I really would have had a problem with that. But I knew that God, that not God, Dad, <laughs> excuse me, I knew that my father had done, you know, things before I could trust him. I knew he had the power and the strength to do that. And in his timing, he needed to get that out then and there, and he did. Now, the crossing of the Jordan, it's, you know, a crazy story. It's, you know, the waters are parted, and, you know, it's a miracle. But even greater than that is we see what God did with Jesus Christ. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die as a man. He lived a life. He died for our sins. And then three days later, he, was, he rose from the grave. Now, we were all on one side of the Jordan River, and Jesus Christ came down and parted the waters. And he said, come, cross from the land over here to the promised land. Cross from here to where I am. I have parted the waters. I have made a way for you. And that way is still open today. But I must warn you that when the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when they left out of the water, the water collapsed and would have killed anything that was in it. 
Jesus Christ is keeping the waters at bay right now. But when you die, the waters have covered the path, and it is too late. So I pray that you will think on that, and that you will talk to someone if you have any questions. It's, it can't wait. You don't know when the, the priests are going to step out of the water, and the water shall, go in again, shall cover its paths. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wonderful, loving greatness. And you came down and you parted the waters from before us. And we can cross over from death to life. I pray that uh, the words that I've spoken will stir the hearts of the people here listening today. And if they, do not, if they have not crossed over, that they will trust in you and cross over from death to life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand. Solo 
you surrendered all I am is yours so I'll stand with arms high heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all I'll stand my soul Lord to you surrender all Praise God. Um, yeah. Every year, it's, it's the same thing. I say this, it's God is just doing such a great work with these students up here. And this month just, just shows an amazing just love that they have for God. Um, and just working with them throughout this whole process has just been amazing. And I can't have any other word to say, but... It doesn't just stop there, and we want to uh, encourage the church and, and thank the church for the support that, that you guys have shown the youth and their abilities to worship and praise God, and, um, but it just doesn't stop here and say, we'll wait till next year to see them, and we'll, we'll, we'll congratulate them or praise God for that, um, but it can go on, and these kids, if you have kids up here, these students, if you have students who, or if you don't, if these are your children or not your children, um, these are God's children that or have a desire to learn and, and trust God. And we have a responsibility um, to take ownership of, the, of what God has given us, to be a church that loves God and trusts God, and walk alongside these kids who may be going through some things that would shake us if we knew. So in the, next, in the following weeks, we're going to be having an open house at Aftershocks to um, encourage the parents and encourage some of the adults that want to get to know some of these uh, young men and women of God to to meet them and some of them that aren't here who are they're on a fall retreat or a, a winter retreat now with ICI to get to know some of the kids who who don't come on a regular basis and encourage them to start coming and walk life with them so we thank you again just uh, uh, worshiping with us today and if you could join us with one more song tonight uh, today it's not tonight but um, thank you again